Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Food 360 with Mark Murphy is a production of iHeartRadio. Coffee is very complex, like wine, even more complex. Coffee is an experience. Coffee is not just taste and flavor and caffeine. I think being on the ground is the number one ingredient to make sure that there's no tears in your coffee. You have to be. You know, if you can get people to certify and blah, blah, okay, that's great. But being part of the communities, that's how you do it. Welcome to Food 360, the podcast that serves up some serious food for thought. I'm your host, Mark Murphy. Some of you may know me as a chef and a New York restaurateur. And today's episode is bold. It's all about coffee. As we say in Rome, namo pionga fe. Let's get started. Many of us on the go like to joke that we're running on coffee. But there's a good chance that that statement could actually be true for Giorgio Milos and Todd Carmichael, my guests today who you heard at the start of the show. I sat down first with Giorgio Milos. He's the master barista for Ili, the Italian coffee roasting company that specializes in espresso. His mother worked at Ely for 35 years as a quality control specialist, and when she retired in 1995, he took over her job. He won the Italian Barista Championship in 2008 and currently travels the country training and sharing his extensive coffee knowledge with some of Ely's biggest corporate clients. Giorgio, thank you very much for joining me today. Absolutely a pleasure. Let's talk about what a barista is, what the difference between a master barista, a regular barista, and maybe, I don't know, just a guy who makes coffee? What's the difference between all these people? Well, there are many different between these figures. For example, master barista as I am is a person who knows the agriculture production, who knows how to taste the coffee, who knows all the technical aspect of roasting, grinding, transformation. And also, a master barista is somebody that can share and teach. A great barista has to have, first of all, passion. Passion is key. Then, knowledge. Coffee is a very big topic, so there is a lot of things to know about the beans, about the roasting, about the transformation, and so on. But also, you have to have the right skill. Coffee is 
very complex, like wine, even more complex than wine. Because when you buy coffee, you do not buy the final product unless you buy, you know, ready to drink and other things. And the barista is the wine maker of coffee. So a barista or a home user can make a very great cup of coffee or a very bad cup of coffee. With the same good With coffee. With the same good coffee. Because there are so many variables involved. It's really important to follow instructions and also follow your feelings sometimes. So if you wake up in the morning and you make your cup of coffee mm -hmm. and you forgot to have passion while you're making it, it might not be good. Yeah, of course. Coffee is an experience. Coffee is not just taste and flavor and caffeine. And the environment probably where you're in. The environment, of course. Right. You know. If you're having a cup of coffee at the local dump, it probably doesn't taste as good. In that case, you probably drink the coffee. <coughs> you don't taste the coffee. How do you judge a cup of coffee? Well, first of all, the approach is the sight. It's the look. Mm -hmm. You know, you take a look of the color. If I have to judge a brew coffee or a pour-over coffee that is not espresso, I like to have it in a glass cup so I can look through it. I can look the red reflexes, the color of the coffee, if there is some residual solids in the cup. And then... What I do first is I close my eyes and I smell it because the smell is the most important sense we use when we taste coffee. The sensation of smell gets into your brain right away, immediately. So in that way, you can start drinking your coffee. Then you have to prepare the other sense, the taste. I take a little sip and I keep the coffee in my mouth for a little while so I can just prepare all the test buds for the tasting. Then I take the second sip that is usually the sip you can start perceiving the balance of taste. There is no saltiness in coffee, but there is sweetness, there is bitterness, and there is acidity. Then from the third sip to the end of the cup, you start perceiving different flavors, different aromatics, because the coffee in your mouth start releasing these volatile aromas that move into your nose by the retro-nasal activity. And then you start perceiving the flavor that is nothing else than a combination of taste and smell. Wow. So that you just start with your eye, you can see that. And then you're yes. going to go dive into the cup yeah, exactly. and really find out what the flavors are. I don't are. use any, what I like to call, contaminants in my coffee. So I take the spoon and I stir. Are you talking about sugar? I'm talking about sugar and syrups okay. and Sorry, whipped just, cream. Just and checking. All. Yeah, that's just a coffee. And I'm good with that. It's not my thing, of course. But if the coffee is really good, high quality coffee, well prepared, you don't need any sugar to that. Gotcha. So to the listeners here, what is the one thing you could tell somebody to improve their coffee making at home? What would it be? Well, first of all, use the right water. The right water. 97 to 99% of your cup of coffee is water. So the water you use for your coffee is extremely important. My suggestion is never use tap water. Even if you're in New York here and the water is quite good, right? Right. But still there is some like off taste that can really change the aromatics in the espresso. So my suggestion is use spring bottled water. And I was going to ask you what the biggest mistake is. I guess using bad water is the biggest bad mistake. Bad water or and is there boiling another? water. And boiling water. Yes. You don't coffee want it to be does boiling. not require boiling water. So especially delicate coffees, uh, you know, you drink tea, right? So I, you I know tea. that I, you I, need different temperature of water for green tea and black tea. Right. Right. So it's a kind of same thing with coffee. So some coffee require a little lower temperature. We're always talking about 190 to 100, no lower than 190. But if you use boiling water, 210, 212, you burn the coffee and you extract uh -huh. the bitters that you don't want. 
So I want to clear this up because everybody calls them coffee beans, but they're actually not beans. They're actually berries, correct? They're when we're seeds. Using, they're seeds. Seeds. And then how does it go from being a seed to a cup of coffee? Well, everything started with a seed in the ground. The seed sprouts in like three, four weeks. This is usually happening in a nursery, okay? And then they okay. wait one year in order to transfer the little plant to the plantation. Then they transfer the plant. Three years later, the coffee plants start producing a good amount of coffee cherries. From there, the coffee plant can grow up to 30, 40 feet, so, but they prune on top in order to facilitate the harvesting. Oh, so they don't have to climb up too high. Exactly. So every time there is a very important rainfall following by a dry period, the coffee plant produces a blossom that in a couple of days become a beautiful white flower with jasmine notes. Oh, beautiful. It's beautiful. Three days later, the flowers get dry and fall down leaving the space for the cherry. Nine months later, the cherry is ripe. Wow. Yes. This so it takes, takes a while. nine months for cherry to get at the right stage of maturation. And then that's the moment of harvesting. In some places where there are different rain seasons, you can have overripe, underripe, ripe flowers, buds, any stage of maturation on the same plant. So it's very important to use what they call the picking harvesting. So there are pickers, mm -hmm. people that pick just the right ripe cherries. They could be red usually or yellow, depends on the variety. After that, the coffee has to be processed right away like grapes. There are different processing methods. The most used is the wash process methods. So the skin of the coffee beans being removed by a machine and then the coffee beans are soaked in water for 15 to 36 hours, depends on temperature and altitude and other things. And then there is the last part of the process is drying. It could be under the sun or it could be in a mechanical dryer. The oldest method is called the natural process. The cherries are just spread out in big patios or in raised beds, and the sun does the job for 15 days. And, so and it takes off the skin on the outside of the whole thing now. Yes, way. then they clean wow. everything, and then they put it in a bag, and then the coffee is ready to be roasted. And then there's also this other thing now that's called cold brew Ooh, coffee. the cold brew. Which I've never saw in Italy growing up. But Italy, it's a little bit different coffee market yeah. than any other countries. You know, in Italy, as Italians, we are very conservative, let's say, to our traditions. I lived in Italy. I was born in Milan. I lived in Rome. I've traveled a lot in Italy. And I always find interesting in Naples, and I was just there recently, that they're so obsessed about their coffee cups being hot. I, for the Super first hot. time, saw an espresso machine sitting there, and next to it, cups upside down, and boiling, boiling water. water. And they handed me that cup. That cup was a thousand degrees, basically. It was an amazing espresso. I liked it a lot. There's also a technical explanation for the super hot cup. Because in south of Italy, especially in Naples, in Napoli, the volume in cup is very short. We're talking about not even half an ounce of liquid. So they extract less. Yes. In the north, it's about an ounce, and down south, it's kind a half of, an ounce. Kind of, yes. About. Let's okay. say about. The amount of liquid is so small that if you don't use a very super supernova temperature cup, right, <laughs> the cup absorbs the temperature from the coffee itself, from the espresso itself, changing the taste profile. The acids in coffee, when the temperature drops, breaks down in simple acids. So the coffee becomes more acidic when it cools. Oh, okay. That happens in any kind of preparation. 
Well, this was all very, very informative. I want to thank you very much, Giorgio, for being here today. Absolutely. It was a very pleasure. And as I said, I could keep going for a couple of weeks if uh, you want. Yeah, no, the podcast isn't that long. No, I, I, But all I got right. to tell you, what I really want now is a nice espresso. Thank you so much for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thank you. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to Food 360. To get a larger understanding of the coffee industry, I spoke with someone who actually flies around the world in search of the perfect coffee bean. Todd Carmichael is the CEO and co-founder of La Colombe, one of the best specialty roasters in our current third wave of coffee. In 2011, he was named Esquire's American of the Year, in part for his philanthropic work reviving the coffee economy in Haiti. He's traveled far and wide to explore the different coffee cultures in the world. And he's documented his explorations for two travel channel shows, Dangerous Grounds and Uncommon Grounds. Todd, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So when you got into coffee, you wanted to get coffee from Haiti, but you couldn't find it anywhere in America. Mm. And from what I understand, when you can't find what you want, you just pack a suitcase and you go there. Yeah, a backpack. Yeah. Okay. I was making a blend for the South for Sean Brock, right? And, you know, Sean, is a, he's a beast when it comes to finding the right ingredients. And you don't mess around with that. I want to get something authentic, and it has to include Haitian coffee because that was the coffee of the South for hundreds of years, right? But there was none left in the States. So I said, all right, backpack it up. Let's go in. 
This was right after the earthquake. So you can imagine things were upside down. And this was kind of lighting a fire under me too, because I know that, you know, as a farm kid, that selling your produce, your products to the market is what helps you survive. Without that, you lose the farm. And so what I saw when I saw the earthquake was there's going to be some coffee farmers who are going to lose their farms. So let's get on the road. Let's go. It was a, quite an adventure. Uh, you know, what I found was both promising in a way, but also devastating, which is heartbreaking. So the remedy would be more than just buying a container of coffee. It meant getting involved in the communities. Well, that's what I understand is that, you know, a, a lot of these countries where these beans are grown are very poor countries. They've just been taken advantage of, used and abused over the years. That is definitely the case. It's less and less, but it's always still a problem. You know, I think being on the ground is the number one ingredient to make sure that there's no tears in your coffee. You have to be. You know, if you can get people to certify and blah, blah, okay, that's great. But being part of the communities, that's how you do it. And that makes you feel like when you get up in the morning, you're doing something right as well. My job is to make people happy with coffee. Right. And that means the people who make it, that means the people who work it, and that means the people who drink it. So everyone's going to be happy with this coffee, right? And it's not about me. It is not. Now, if it were, man, people would come to that cafe and go, what the freak? You know, because <laughs> I may have found a coffee that tastes vaguely of cucumber and I don't know why. So we're going to drink that for a week. You know, it's like <laughs> people are like, <laughs> okay, no I got to go somewhere else. This <laughs> yeah, guy's <dude>. nuts. <laughs> yeah. But it's just looking out and making sure you're happy. I mean, that's the idea. Well, you had a travel show at one point and I, I heard certain things happen to you. You got shot at, you got mm -hmm. stabbed. I mean, that was all in the name of finding good coffee. Yeah. Coffee has grown in the isolated parts of isolated countries. So, I mean, even in the countries that you're going, you'll say, I'm going there. For them, that's extraordinarily isolated, way up in the mountains along the equator, right? And it's also a place where there's a lot of conflict, right? So you're going to have opium or, you know, poppy growth. This is where you're going to get most of your militia groups might be hiding in there, or particularly right after some kind of political unrest or infighting within the country, that's where things are going to stay hot. But that's where your farmers are. So you want to get in, take care of them, and get the out of Dodge, right? I, I just bleep myself, wow, didn't I? that was great. Very good. <laughs> so this is a dangerous job being a coffee person. It can be <laughs> because, you know, each country is built a little differently, right? So right. right now there's some beautiful bean coming out of DR Congo on the Rwandan side, Lake Kivu, right? Uh, there are about 14 different factions that are shooting each other in the face right now. Right. But there's coffee there. So there's, the question is, do you go in or don't you? It's like, I want to go in and buy their coffee and support their growers. But then, of course, you also don't want to get killed. Right. There is an equation. To there, there's an equation. That. You have to sort of figure that out. So the flavor comes from the plant, obviously, how it's grown and where it's grown. Like wine, like, you know, some people uh -huh. like Pinot Noir and some people like Cabernet. Like, what's the difference in between those plants? And also, I guess the second part of that question is, does the roasting have a lot to do with what your final product is? So coffee is exactly the opposite of wine because in wine you take the juice from the fruit and you throw away the seeds and the rest where in coffee we keep the seeds and we throw away the fruit it's a cherry right now that seed its base flavor is going to be contingent on the plant that's growing it because there's so many different varieties of coffee plants the altitude is super key because the higher the altitude the more dense that seed becomes as it goes lower, the more porous it becomes. That's the density that gives it its flavor. You have how it's processed from the moment it's picked, whether it's washed or natural or dry, the age of it. So let's say you get all of that done. You bring down this super high alt coffee, let's say a geisha from 
Panama, it's treated and processed well, it gets bagged, it's cryovac, it hits your station, and then you burn it. Yeah, it's going to taste like butt. And that coffee right there, 12 years ago, sold for at the farm. It was me and two other companies who were bidding for it for $479 a pound. That's how good that coffee was. And it's still coming out of that region. You can get coffees that are so outrageous to hurt you. But in two minutes on a roaster, you just screwed it. It's like taking bluefish tuna and having it cooked by oh, my grandmother. You right. know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Hammering just, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And so is it just because of the altitude that the pit is more dense? Yeah. Everybody's probably thinking what I'm thinking. What do you do with the fruit? You just throw it out? Does it becomes fertilizer? Well, no. See, now in, in region, there's a couple things. One, you till it back into the soil like a responsible husband of the land. But for consumption, in origin, people make tea from it, and it's outrageously good. In fact, if you make a, like a graph of antioxidants, and you go like, well, here's the blueberry, and you have a line, and you have whatever. <laughs> I say here's a line. And then you put like cascara is what it's called. That line goes for like 19 pages. It is outrageous in antioxidants. And why are you not selling this at your stores? Every coffee guy and girl on the planet tries to do it, but the word cascara does not translate over to people it, because of the word bean. Had we used the word seed instead of bean, maybe? I mean, I think people do think it's a bean that you pull out of a pod or something. And so when you say coffee fruit, when you're at that point where you're making a decision in the store, you go, oh my God, I don't understand what that is. But people are starting to understand coffee much better than they used to, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, the proliferation of information has been helpful. I think that the third wave movement and, you know, this whole kind of navel-gazing taste, you know, we did for a while. We did in wine, now we did in coffee. So now everyone's kind of verse. And I tell you, the big one is like in 2008, I was going back to Ethiopia and I decided I was going to do a cold brew in my house and I pour it into a bottle, right? Because I was only getting about three hours sleep and I didn't want to brew coffee, use the grinder, wake the kids, that kind of thing, right? Got in the car, I was driving and I just made a really good one and I drank it and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to make cold brew tanks. I'm going to get a little bottle and I'm going to sell people this product I'm eating right now. It's just great. It's wonderful. And there was no word called cold brew. I called it cold press, you know, because I use a press to do it. Then to now, at La Colombe Cafes, 65% of what we sell is cold. Really? In 1995, 0%. 96, 0%. Where it is today is so incredibly huge. I can't begin to explain it to you. So one day you get up in the morning, you make this stuff and you're driving along and you go, wait, I got an idea. We're going to make millions of dollars with this coffee. That's not, we don't have to heat it up. It's never really that. I always just think this is something I like, but it must mean that other people should like it too. And let's make more of it, right? The big challenge then was that I realized, okay, this whole cold brew thing is doing really well. And now I'm entering this new space called CPG or grocery, right? Right. So tons of new things to learn, which I like. SKUs and all Skew, this. Blah, things, slotting right? fees and blah, 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 and all this craziness. And I said, but it's so unfinished. What we need to do is we need to figure out a way to put the single most important beverage of brick and mortar cafes in a can or bottle. And that would be a latte. But the problem was a latte has three ingredients. You know, it's concentrated coffee, which is espresso, like you right. drink, this milk. And the third ingredient is vapor. Definitionally, it's incorrect. So the nerd in me gets upset, but it's just like we're not delivering on the promise. So I uh, went to work on my little lab on how to solve that. Can you walk us through that? Well, first, 
I had to go borrow something from my wife. Or no, it was something in her shower, right? And I noticed that she takes her shaving cream cans and turns them upside down, right? You don't know that they do this. They do this because they don't want to have rust rims on that. Really? Yeah, they do this. On I the see enamel. someone nodding over there. It's, dudes don't know that. Oh, no, <laughs> we, we, we do not know that, no. Because then, you know, they don't want to leave little rust rims on the marble, so they turn it upside down. And when it was turned upside down, I saw there was a valve on it. And I thought to myself, oh, that's how they put gas in there to compress the gel so it'll come right. out of the can. That's pretty smart. But then it left my consciousness. Two weeks later, I'm standing in the refrigerator. My kid's four. He's got this huge, you know, wicked, giant, curly head of hair. And he's standing right in front of me. And I'm teaching him how to eat out of a refrigerator without anyone knowing, right? And this is key. These are life lessons. Totally life lessons, right? You start with the stuff they don't count, like pickles, right? right? You know, but there is the no man's land area, like don't touch the cupcakes. They notice that, right? But there's the whipped cream can. Now, if you don't take too much, you're good, right? Right. So I take a little whipped cream, I bend his head back, and I squirt it into his mouth. And I went, that's vapor, man. There that's you go. texturized milk. That's what I'm looking for. Nitrous oxide, valve upstairs I saw in the bed. And so I went down to my lab. And two hours later, I had the first draft of the latte, and it worked. Wow. Took a can, drilled a hole in it, put a volleyball valve in it, put the ingredients inside, seamed it shut, turned it, nitrous oxide tank with the pin that you would normally fill a basketball mm -hmm. needle, put it in there, agitated it, put it up to 35 pounds, pulled it, let it sit for two minutes, opened it, pop, damn thing, it just foamed in the cup. So I realized, well, that's it. The latte and the cappuccino are now mobile. Now they're mobile. Wow. How do you compete with your competition? It doesn't sound like you're the type of guy that says, I'm competing. You just do what yeah. you do and you do it well and you figure that's going to go forward. You know, I do compete mentally with, okay, you know, I'm the guy that walked across Antarctica. Yeah. You're the first person to walk across Antarctica? Yeah. Solo, unsupported. And so you get dropped right. two months on your own. Who you're competing with there is the guy from yesterday. Do you know? And I, I got that in my mind. It's always to try to beat yesterday, Todd. And if you stay there, you don't get bored, you don't fall apart, you've always got someone there to compete against. So you create this thing in your head. And in a lot of ways, I apply that to myself now. I want to beat this. My next thing is I got to beat the draft latte. Sounds crazy, huh? But I want to do better than that. I don't know how. And then I want to improve it at the same time. Right. Like, what can I do that's more incredible than that? You get up every morning, you're competing with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Because I was kind of the first modern kind of roaster on the East Coast in 93, right? And then there are others that come on, but they've all sold their companies. And now you're looking around going, if I were competing against them, what would I do now? Buy a bigger car. Wait, yeah, but <laughs> when you're competing against people, you're putting a lot of responsibility on them. Like, so you got to stick around, man. And you better keep competing against me. What is next for La Colombe? What's on the horizon? I'm going to come out with a brand new idea here, probably at the end of the year, the beginning of next year. We're looking at sharing what we do with more countries. So getting back into more of the giving back. Yeah, but also I'd like to export and I'd like to build factories in other countries too. I mean, in other words, you know, coffee consuming countries I'd like to get involved in. Right. And then, yeah, I'd like to just continue to grow a, a monster company that one day I can take on the big boys. I want to pull down either Coke or Pepsi and right. choke them. Okay. That's what I'd like to do. Well, they... Like get them on the mat. I mean, I kill right. them. Just like make them tap out. Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that. All right. One last thing. I have a little game for us to play. I'm going to ask you a question, something about coffee, and you're going to tell me if it's true or false. Seattle is the coffee shop capital of America. True or false? False. 
Yes, New York has the highest concentration of coffee shops. Teddy Roosevelt loved coffee so much, he drank a gallon a day. True or false? See, with all the cigars, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Finland is the world's most caffeinated country. True or false? True. Yeah. The average adult there goes through 27.5 pounds a year. Americans drink only about 11 pounds a year. You should see how they brew it. That's the thing. They uh, use a lot of coffee per ounce, then it's not really that efficient. It's just their process. An average American spends about $500 on coffee a year. True or false? I would think more. Yeah, that's false. They spend yep. an average of $1,000 a year. Irish coffee was invented to warm up cold American plane passengers who were flying from Ireland to New York. True or false? Sounds plausible. It is true. A chef put some whiskey in the coffee to warm them up. This was back in 1951. Huh. Well, this was fantastic. I feel like I've gotten quite an education today. Thank you so much for coming in here and educating us. That's no, been fun. This is great. That was amazing. I learned so much about coffee today. I want to thank my guests, Giorgio Milos and Todd Carmichael. See you next week. Food 360 is a production of iHeartRadio, and I'm your host, Mark Murphy. A very special thanks to Emily Carpin, my director of communications, and producers Nikki Etor and Christina Everett. Mixing and music by Anna Stumpf and recording help from Julian Weller and Jacopo Benzo. Thank you to Bethann Macaluso and Kara Weissenstein for handling research. Food 360 is executive produced by Mengesh Etikador. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.